0: Okay, welcome everyone to the first episode of the NML Pickleball Podcast. Uh, I am Chris Ross, aka Gritty, and to my right is Jeremy Comedetto, also known as Slim. So we're, uh, yeah, we're the NML Pickleball guys, and we're we're doing a podcast. And we're not going to talk about ourselves to start here. If you don't know who we are, uh, you can go find that out there. Uh, We went on Laura McLaughlin's uh, Pickleball After Dark podcast, RIP. And we talked about our anonymity and everything there. Went on Eddie and Webby, went on the Pickler. You can hear the intros there and, and hear about us. We don't need to talk about ourselves. What are we here to talk about, Jer?
1: We're here to talk about pickleball in particular, the MLP draft, our winners and losers, and look at some upcoming events and recap Denver. (laughs) Your announcer,
0: I like your announcer voice.
1: We'll get more natural here, hopefully in time.
0: Yeah, so you know, we're not—we're just gonna try and sort of do what we do with the blog. It's not gonna be um, just results and recaps. We're just gonna try and do what interests us and talk about that. And hopefully everyone enjoys it because there's a lot we we don't say on the blog that uh, we say in person. We might not say it on the podcast. We'll see. Uh, so why don't we just why don't we just get into it? We've got uh, winners and losers from the MLP draft that happened last Wednesday, and uh, there's premier and challenger draft for season two. Uh, Jer, why don't you get into some winners? I don't even know if I did this right. I didn't start with the teams. We didn't talk too much about
1: formats. I had, um, as my number one winner, hyped or high upside women. We had um, Tyra Black, Vivian Glossman, two of the women that have been getting a lot of hype, both getting picked to go in premiere, despite maybe the results not being there yet. And then... Also, the big shock of the premier draft, Rachel Rohrbacker, hopefully I said that right, also went first round. So it was obvious that a lot of teams decided they wanted to take a shot there late on those upside women. And I think, you know, if you're getting a lot of hype, Tyra and Vivian have probably been the two most hyped women we've had come along this year. That goes a long way. Teams feel justified in drafting a player if you know they've got some hype with them.
0: Yeah, and I, of course, like we're too much on the same wavelength like, too often. But my my winner was just upside unknown players for both the Premier and Challenger draft. And it's it's interesting how all this works because you've got a lot of hap- a lot happening with MLP. You kind of have this like flavor of the month sort of. Like, who, who's hyped up, as you said? Like, who's hyped up? Tyra gets a lot of publicity on podcasts. Uh, James Ignatowich hypes her up. Uh, it seems like she's, uh, like, Jimmy Miller hypes her up. There's a lot of hype online for these players. Vivian Glossman played with Anna Bright, and she really, like, Vivian hasn't had very good results outside of that Anna Bright partnership. Um, it's going to be interesting to see... How those teams do so, so okay. So, who's Hurricane? Hurricane is with um, she's with Miami, so she's got Federico Tyson and Mary Brasha. Tough spot, tough spot. Why?
1: I don't think she's ready at all to be your number one woman, a dominant left side woman, and that's what she's gonna have to be on this team. She doesn't have the tools. You've got two guys that are borderline first. The second round picks like that's the team that's going to need a lot of help, and I think that's an awful situation. You're pairing her with Mary Brosha, who I don't think is a premier player. I am saying Miami's gonna be in the tank this season.
0: Tank, I yeah, I don't know. I like Federico and Tyson together. Um, I think they're both kind of underrated. Um, I think they're sort of both underrated guys in a way but uh but Tyra and and Mary B is as a tough it's a tough we saw with the hard eights and their, their men I don't know AJ Kohler was so bad last year uh, or last season but their men couldn't carry two women who weren't where you didn't have a high-end woman so you know these teams that are going with these upside women it's a little I mean Vivian Glosman she has Vivian David who's steadier we haven't really seen it um, with with Vivian and MLP, Rachel Roarbackers with Anna Bright. Um, I, you know, I I just it, it'll be really fascinating to see how these swings pay off because people are swinging for the fences, uh, and they're not they they're not worried about like and these teams all. I mean, Miami's in a better spot, so. I don't know. It, it'll. I don't know what this means for for uh, some of these teams where they, you know, they're taking these big swings, but uh, these players are still so unknown.
1: Explain to me why we're on. Well, we're on the Rachel thing. Why Anna Bright would take Rachel when she says she can win with anybody in women's doubles, and we know it takes longer to. Figure out the mix game for women. So why aren't you taking a more proven or established mix player in that spot? What is the upside to that pick when you've got Anna Bright?
0: So Anna said on her podcast that... She was sorry, but it doesn't help Susanna Barr that she was sorry that she didn't pick Susanna. Are you saying Susanna should have been the pick because Rachel, she can win if she can win with anyone in women's, or she feels like she can win with anyone in women's, she might as well take someone with more mixed upside or more just mixed ability to, to actually round out the team. Yeah, Susanna's one option, but
1: you're taking an unproven commodity who probably really isn't ready for mixed doubles in that spot. You've gone yourself. I think she was smart going guys back to back. It's actually crazy that um, Andre was the only guy taken in the second round. I think it was really smart to go guy, guy after going girl. But then I think you're putting yourself in a spot where you want somebody that you know can play mixed doubles. And... Why not go with somebody that probably Vane's going to be more comfortable playing with? I'm not sure Rachel is actually the highest upside pick for that
0: team. What well, was funny, I was uh, I, I was listening to uh, King of the Court uh, this morning, and Jimmy put out the question of why Anna uh, wouldn't take Vivian Glosman, And they were all very cagey about... Uh, it seemed like they had some information and they didn't want to share the information about why Anna wouldn't pick Vivian Glossman. I don't know. Did you Did you listen to that? Did you see? I did.
1: I think Jimmy's playing games as usual. But
0: <laughs> Well, you know, okay. So we'll see how these high-end women go. I think it was also interesting to see both in Premier and Challenger. Like if we're talking about, again, winners is upside unknown players, I think. From the, not just women, I think for Premier it's women, but I think for the whole draft it's upside just players in general because in chat while well, in premier we saw hunter johnson christian alshon go in spots where there might have been other more proven players uh hunter johnson he's dating paris todd so that's helpful for him and he played for the bouncers so they have some familiarity with him they can build their marketing uh instagram team and christian alshon still a weird pick to me Yeah, I'm obviously higher on the
1: Christian Elshon upside than you, but it was a little bit of an odd pairing after DC had hit the lottery, sort of, I think, and how that team was coming together. Um, Probably one of the fits would have been Tyler Loon, but listening to King of the Court this morning, I was reminded that Tyler and Riley hate each other, so that's probably why that one didn't happen, but I would still love to hear from Riley why he didn't go AJ Kohler in that spot. I know AJ's had a down year, but I think Riley's still got some tournaments coming up now as AJ, so I'm curious why that wasn't the pick there.
0: I just, when I watch Christian play challenger, like he's on the left with Pablo and he's not dominating mixed. I think I said this to you last week, but he's not dominating mixed. Rachel Summers was clearly solid enough that he should have been able to win a lot of matches. He's a premier player now. I don't know. Uh, it's a weird pick. Um, Maybe Riley just wanted to block Analeigh from getting him. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Um, I, I just got to. I wonder, I still wonder if DC wants a, uh, a marketable player and Christian has his vlogs that uh, I haven't really been watching his vlogs, if I'm being honest, but uh,
1: I'll let maybe somebody else talk about it, but I'm, I would be curious what Christian Alshon's markability is. If you want an AI bot,
0: (laughs) yeah, yeah, he might be the pick. (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) The other guys that I want to mention in challenger Uh, there's a bunch so I want to mention all these guys I'm going to go through them because I wrote them down prepared for the podcast Colin Schick uh, I don't know how to pronounce it Wame Martinez Vick uh, Martin Emmerich Jordan Kinney Marshall Brown your girl Dominique Schaefer Andre Mick Allie Phillips I hope I didn't miss anyone uh, but who stands out to you from that list of upside players that were picked well obviously those are all kind of upside players It's funny because I
1: thought I was probably higher than anybody on Colin Schick heading into this draft. And somehow Travis Redmire and the Florida Smash blew me out of the water, taking Colin at 15. I would love to hear their rationale on that. I think Colin potentially profiles very well as that thingles guy who can really play some number two guy challenger for you and get you some wins there. But to take him at 15 when we really have an outside of a couple mixed wins seen much uh, doubles from him. And I think there's a lot of questions about where his men's doubles game is at. So taking him in the second round seems crazy
0: to me. Well, he he lost he lost singles this weekend to Anik Lohani in three really tight games. He didn't make it out of the doubles qualifier with Jim Dobrin. They ended up playing in the main draw. I don't know if he's a lucky loser or something, but they didn't make it out of the qualifiers. It's a little bit concerning. I was less high on you than Colin Shick. I didn't actually have him in. My, like, 48 challenger guys, I don't think. But uh, I think that one was... You could have also gotten him later, maybe?
1: That's what I think. If I, isn't he going to be available third round? Also, what's more, maybe even more interesting to me is that a couple of the players on that list you just went through haven't really been playing tournaments this year. Like, has Jordan Kinney played a tournament this year? Yeah.
0: And, I think we looked it up. He he hasn't played a tournament since October. I I think the, I hadn't seen his name. He has the high duper on the list. And then uh, Lauren Stratman um, posted on Twitter, I saw, I think, that Jordan Kinney, definitely a challenger player, which we're finding out everyone and their mother is a challenger player, and literally probably their mother. They think their mother is a challenger player. But Jordan Kinney, how can you take a guy... I mean, they they, they probably talked to Lauren or someone. Lawrence from Knoxville. Jordan Kinney's from Knoxville. I, I just don't know. He hasn't played mixed in a... I looked through all his tournament history. He hasn't played a single mixed event. He doesn't play singles. And he had one really standout double, men's doubles event with uh, Tito Ladro, I think, against... Uh, Julian Arnold and Rafi Hewitt. Isn't this the Greg Dow pick from last draft, but at least Greg
1: Dow was still playing tournaments. (laughs) Like this is a three uh, event style format. And we're taking a guy who is probably at that level in men's doubles, but we haven't seen it in almost a year. And we're just somehow presuming that he can magically play mixed, which we know is a very different game in the singles. Like, unless they have a crazy amount of intel that he's getting regular high-end mixed practice and can play singles, I actually think that pick is insane. Um, And another guy who hasn't, he played this weekend and did all right, but hasn't been playing a lot of tournaments is Marshall
0: Brown. Do you know much about him, Chris? I mean, we've talked about Marshall. We saw him last year play with uh, Eva Radzikowska in Alabama, and we're like, "Who's this guy?" And he looked good, and Eva looked really good. Uh, I, you know, we weren't sure exactly how how good uh, how good he was, but he's had some good results. He good player, Rafa Hewitt in that BLQK draft war room. So obviously, like they're both Alabama guys. I think he's probably pushing for Marshall, but I I just never have I, I haven't seen these guys play. But I just have a problem, and I don't know how you feel about this, but picking guys, like there's so many guys that aren't going to look out of place at Challenger. I think I have a problem picking these guys who probably aren't going to look out of place, but you need to see them do it, I think, against good competition, or else what are you getting? Like if you don't see them doing it regularly, I don't know what that what that is that what you're getting from them and I you know Marshall at least plays mixed he's been playing singles he plays men doubles so there's at least that over Jordan Kinney but these guys who aren't playing enough I just I, I don't know it's it's a lot of faith in whoever your sources are that are saying these guys are ready for challenger
1: men's double specialists your Callan Dawson's Patrick Smith's Steve Deacons, etc Um, and so, you know, those guys aren't getting picked, but we have Callan Dawson, who we know is an elite men's doubles player. And I don't think his mixed is great, and we know he can't really play singles, but he seems to be getting penalized because we see it. But teams are all right to take shots on guys. At least he's out there getting reps in the uh, mixed doubles every weekend. We've got teams willing to take shots on guys that literally we don't know if they can play
0: it at all. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I had a loser as well. Of course, we, we didn't even... I told us not to talk about our winners and losers. But of course, my, my losers were just like legacy players. And uh, we had some discussions about this before the draft. I like some of these legacy players. I don't like them. I thought they should be way down on the board. But I had Pat Smith firmly in my top 48. I had Callan Dawson firmly in my top 48 challenger. I don't know. With your, that second spot, I think a lot of these teams could have gone with, with one of those guys... As long as they were fine in singles, if you take Callan like and Jordan Kinney, I don't think he can play singles, why why would you not take Callan Dawson or even Pat Smith, have them sit on the right in a partnership and uh and, and just be really steady for you? I I don't really get it. But you you didn't you had Pat Smith I think off your board or do you Yeah,
1: have... I I do want players still with some rise and some potential, but I think there's a happy medium out there. Like to me Pat Smith is playing out the string. I haven't seen much improvement in his game. He's all right and mixed. He's all right and man's can't really play singles. I get the argument for taking Callan Dawson, but I'm not like
0: running to do it he went six and four with bobby oshiro over the three events i think
1: bobby oshiro number six pick so maybe she was the reason that's certainly what frisco saw
0: yeah i I don't know I, i think again like you have these guys like um you know you have uh jeff warnick steve deacon uh, and, then, and Kyle I mean Kyle Yates. I don't know if it really counts. He's missing the first event, but you I don't know,
1: think it's fair to put Kyle in that. He goes way higher if I, he's not missing an event.
0: Well, these the other legacy guys in Premier who also dropped. I, I don't know. It's weird to call them legacy guys, but Jay, AJ Kohler, Deckel, all kind of like they've been around the block of it. They all fell as uh, kind of legacy guys. So I think people are really. And it might be a shift into too much priority, especially, you know, especially in Premiere potentially, but a shift where someone like Hayden, because people, I don't know, some people like, (laughs) who is it? Is it? I I actually, I don't know if it's quite right. Is it, is it the kitchen that loves Hayden Patrickin? Yes. I think they love him. And and I just, I don't know if I quite see it with Hayden being, just because he, I think people like him because he's small, even though he's 18. They like the small little guy. He's very good, but I just don't think he's, as good as everyone thinks he is. So people want this perceived upside because he's little and, and younger. Another winner I had was the former
1: fives players. Um, I actually think it's insane that three of them went in the first round and Hayden Patrickin with the last one of them picked early third round. I know they made the finals at the end of the, at the last event of the season. But if you're telling me that they've got three first-round picks and, like, Hayden is an early third-round pick, that should be a dominant team. They weren't like Seattle out there. They, they were bad part of the year. I think I can buy into there might be some chemistry issues with that team, but... So I, wait, I, are those winners or losers, then? Why are they winners? Well, the players are winners because they, are they they went first round. Yeah, like Leia Jansen's probably pretty happy she was a first round pick, you know. James kept saying he didn't want to be a first round pick. He might be a loser. Well, I think their teams <laughs> are losers. I think James' teams got saved because Jay fell, but I have Leia and Hayden's team as two of the big losers in the draft. Anna Lee's team is good, but I think she deserved to kind of go where she did or around there and she got the AJ Kohler pick, but they were winners in that they were viewed well. I think could they finish the season well, but
0: like did too many teams just remember that last event? Yeah, I think that's all is a recency bias. I mean, we're guilty of it as well as much as anyone, probably, or hopefully not actually hopefully not as much as anyone. Um the Anley waters thing is super interesting because I didn't think they did that well with their draft, but people including Connor Pardo loves to pat himself on the back he is and, but everyone is is on with the anly's team's the favorite i I don't know if i i true i really agree with that
1: well, I think if a j Kohler hits they probably are the favorites or close to it like i think. You're looking at maybe things swinging too far. Has the pendulum swung too far on AJ Kohler? There's going to be at least one event, I think, where AJ plays well and Utah
0: probably
1: comes close to dominating.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that's fair. I just didn't actually think they got lucky with AJ. I didn't. Think they did a great job drafting, but if Irena wins another MLP championship, I mean, I don't know what I. Think. I also actually still don't know why
1: Annalee's team insists on taking, uh, gir- like girl in that second or third round. I think that the formula still should be Annalie, two guys, and then you go your girl. Um, but I think as always with the Anna Lee teams, it's about what makes her look good, not what's best for the team. So,
0: so are you maybe alluding to potential terrible Dream Breaker strategy because Anna Lee just wants to beat the a guy and be able to yes, say in it post. Why did nobody
1: talk about that all season? The Their team was built for dream breakers, but you've got Hayden, who with their weakest singles player, he's a good, not great singles player, but he can probably go two and two most of the time against team's second dream breaker guy, but he's not built to play against girls. Like he doesn't cover the net great, and he doesn't have elite ground strokes, but instead of maximizing their advantage of having the two best uh, women singles players in Lee and Leia. They kept going for the ego trip and putting Lee out there against um, guys, and they never went away from that all year, despite their awful Dream Breaker record. And I'm surprised people didn't talk about that more or criticize it more. It was the most obvious poor strategy move, I think, of MLP last season.
0: I, I did enjoy her pounding her chest against Tyson, who was not one to flex, so it seemed very unfair to Tyson that she would flex on him like that. He doesn't flex. He's just a good family man. He is a good family man. Uh, an, an, another uh, loser I had uh, was uh, poor Jillian Braverman. Uh,
1: of course, I had that too.
0: <laughs> did you? I added it late too. I
1: think also the other loser there is that a lot of teams that didn't pick her.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I, I didn't expect um, since early on in the blog days when I wrote, I think it was me solely, I think we put that as, where I, I went in on Jillian about her serving into the empty court. That was, uh, it was not good, I didn't think. And so I can't believe I'm like feeling the Jillian champion right now. Uh, Team Jillie B that she should be drafted premier, but it seems like, I don't know, it seems messed up that she's not getting drafted. Yeah,
1: obviously, teams put too much into chemistry. This is a three-event thing. Jillian Braverman is a premier player, and, you know, we were talking earlier. That's another player I'd love to hear, Anna Bright's reasoning for not drafting. If you want some upside there while still getting proven, why not go Jill Braverman? And we can talk about, there's going to be at least a couple owners, I guarantee you, at the end of this MLP season that are wondering why they listened to their players and didn't pick her when they're watching a girl who probably isn't a premier level player lose repeatedly. And I think it was a mistake that she fell to five in the challenger draft Teams really swung back towards the dominant guy strategy. And I generally like that strategy when we're talking about, I I actually last season thought that Ben Johns should have been the first pick. But we're not talking in the challenger level about a... Ben Johns, or a Riley Newman. Like, I know a lot went wrong with Brooklyn last season, but Rob Nunnery was not able to save that team, and now we're taking them first overall. Jill Braverman is Anna Lee Waters at the challenger level. We've seen it. She saved and turned around the Dallas Pickleball Club. Why did she fall to five?
0: Yeah, I mean, I was, again, listening to King of the Court, and they have some good stories on there. So Jimmy Miller said essentially Jillian tried to get him cancelled because he said some stuff about her on a podcast. Um, his his wife, I guess, was messaging that, that Discord group about their mock draft and why they, they forgot I think Jimmy Jimmy they, they forgot that Jillian was picked like 10th overall in that uh, that mock draft and challenger. But she's she's mad about a Discord mock draft and I mean we're seeing it just with ourselves. People are getting really mad about things that are said publicly because it impacts perception and clearly like Jillian's perception out there uh, and how much people seem to dislike her like is a real real problem enough to the point that she went down to fifth overall and it's crazy like she should be number one overall but people hate her that much it seems like which at a certain point you just have to put that aside like Tyra had played with Jillian this weekend and how much better I Put Jillian on the right. She'd be fine on the right if Tyra can't play the... They they played together this weekend. Like, if you put Jillian on that team, I think you actually have a good Miami team. Well, also, you talk
1: about her not being liked. That's also, in some ways, a benefit. If I can get my fourth-round pick that I know can get under the skin of the other team... like. That's actually like an asset. She's kind of like the Ron Artest or whatever. Nobody wants her. So she's under, vet. you get her on a discount deal because nobody really wants her on her team. But then she's also living in that other team's head because they can't stand her. Like it is crazy that she fell to five in Challenger. And I the justifications from some of the players, it honestly doesn't hold up. Yeah,
0: you mentioned that to me yesterday. You sort of forget about her trash talking, like Brandon French, Jeff Warnick. Uh, I think we put it in our Challenger draft grades that that's like so that's an underrated part of her. So it is. It's uh, I think it's nuts that she didn't go, and she even went fifth in Challenger. So that uh, uh, the Hustlers got value there. Whoever was drafting that team, uh, they they like Jillian enough to 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 draft her there. Clearly. Um, so the other, you you touched on it, but a loser I had was the female-female one-two, rounds one and two as optimal draft strategy. It's funny how, like, I think things shift so quickly. We get like one, we have a season of MLP without any premier players and everyone's like, we've got to go female-female because these teams, Paris and Irina, uh, and then you get Jackie Kalamoto with a terrible trade with Anna Bright. So, okay, female-female is the optimal strategy. So So that's, Thought of in in the first draft. And now you want Annalie Waters as your first pick, not Ben Johns. But now here we are. We see how good Ben Johns is. So every team is like, oh, we need a strong alpha guy, which I think makes sense. I like that idea. But I also... But then you have
1: teams taking Julian Arnold seventh overall because they're looking for that alpha guy. And I'm sorry, Julian Arnold
0: isn't Ben Johns or Riley Newman. I don't know. Who do you have there? I think I had Julian Arnold, like, seven on my board. So, I I actually... I don't know. Is Julian... What's the difference between Julian, James, Fed, Dylan? Like, is it... I I actually think Julian's okay. Well, here's my
1: thing. Maybe it is a girl there. I think team swung too much trying to find that alpha guy. Especially, you look at how that second round shaped out, out. And it was predictable. Only one guy going in the second round why wouldn't I go get myself an Etta right or a dominant female and then go guy in the second round because if I can get an... I'd rather have, say, Etta Wright and Andre Diascu than I'd rather have Julian
0: Arnold and then a girl. And then Vivian David. Vivian David. Yeah. Uh, I think that's fair. I think I had Julian in that, like, around that spot anyways. I just, I just think there's
1: a big drop-off in guys after we get past JW.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think I I... Well, I we haven't posted it yet, but it will be posted. Like Dylan Fraser, I wrote about for takeaways, like for for Denver, just about like what is Dylan Fraser really? I don't know. I think there's a big drop off at those spots, but I, I mean, going back to just like what is optimal strategy? Like I don't, and we've talked about this, but I don't, I don't think there is optimal strategy. I think teams focus so much on like Jimmy Miller. I keep referencing Jimmy, of course. I'm clearly obsessed, but I, I that he was talking about. Um, them going one, two, like they were going to go girl, girl, no matter what at that 12, 13 spot in challenger. And I just don't think pre pre planning. Um, yeah, pre planning that is, is, uh, you know, the right, right thing necessarily, but you know, it's just, it's changed the narrative shifts and it, it, there's a decent chance, you know, it shifts again, I think. So I think that's a, that's a loser, but it could become a winner again. Female, female is the optimal strategy. Yeah, it's obvious that teams right now probably
1: are swinging too much one way and then the other. Yeah, Uh,
0: I don't know if you had any other winners and losers. I don't know if it's time to move on from these. Did you have anything else?
1: Uh, I had another quick one, Brandon French. Now, I kind of hate bashing on him because I didn't think he was a challenger player last season and he proved me wrong but he's a winner it's pretty good to have friends in high places because I think a borderline challenger player that is had injured wrist we I don't know if he's playing right now or not there's no way he doesn't get drafted if he isn't Friends was Tom Dundon, but hey, it's gotten him drafted twice now. So congrats to Brandon French. Um, then on the losers, I had Frisco Clean because They're going for the perfect 0-18 season. And also their first uh, season players all basically took major hits. Matt Wright is out of MLP. Vane fell to the third round, and Lina and Yana, for whatever reason, I get how they fell to uh, challenger. That makes sense to me, but it seems like they fell too
0: far in that challenger draft. Yeah, just uh, you mean Frisco Pandas first. Frisco off. Pandas uh yeah and the brandon french thing that's a that's a funny one because uh yeah the wrist injury you just i think you've got to be really careful about injured players but uh and and french it's a wrist injury those it's been lingering for a while so he is uh he's lucky to be friends with tom dundon it's good for him uh i wish i wish i was friends with tom dundon fair uh yeah i don't have anything more why don't we uh you want to talk about denver Sure, you can lead that one. Yeah, so we at PPA Denver this past weekend, I know lots of people like to just do results and go through the brackets. Uh, we always do our takeaways on the blog. You can, we're we're not gonna regurgitate all our takeaways, I don't think here. Um, we'll have those, well, by the time this gets up, hopefully we actually get it up and have the capability to do so with our producer Alyssa here in the background, trying to, trying to do all this stuff while we just sit back and, and talk. Um, but I don't know, I, I had a couple things that I wanted to touch on. As takeaways that uh, that aren't in our takeaways. So uh, what do, what do you have? Do you want me to go or are you? You can go. Okay. Well, this is actually probably your takeaway, but uh, it's maybe maybe people are tired of the MLP stuff. But uh, Connor Garnett big weekend. He had uh, Edda Wright got a bronze in mixed. Uh, Edda's gotten a number of bronzes actually with uh, she had it with Travis last year. Uh, I can't actually remember. Did she get another mixed medal? Maybe maybe not. Um, maybe she did. But Connor Garnett having a really big weekend and might be saving the Bay Area Breakers from their... Uh, I guess they're okay with the nepotism because they did so well in Season 1. But going Rafa at 35 or wherever he went in the third round.
1: When also are people going to start talking about the conflict, which is Richie owning parts of two MLB <laughs> teams? <laughs> what is the conflict? It's pretty apparent there's multiple conflicts. Travis Redmire fairly gets a lot of criticism for being a player and owner, but nobody really seems to want to talk about the fact that there's a major conflict that Richie owns two teams. And, you know, if MLP wants to be taken seriously of the professional sports league, they probably need to clean that up at some
0: point. I think Jeff Wynn is technically the GM of that team, although I don't know. If Jeff, GM. I don't know if Jeff selected Rafa, despite Rafa being in the the uh, draft consultant role for PLQK. Again, there's just conflicts there, and I'd love
1: somebody to explain to me why they don't seem to view that as a conflict.
0: Yeah, no, I don't disagree with any of that. What about your guy, though, Connor Garnett? You told me you... Well, fans. yeah, I
1: think he... There's a decent chance... He He was the guy, like, that was probably going to go in to Premier that I thought could take a leap and really help a team... And he may save Richie's awful drafting. I thought that pairing Leia and Edda was a mistake. I would have gone Edda and found somebody else that is better suited to play with her in that role. And then Rotha still living off that MLP guy hype, I guess. You can possibly justify him as a fourth rounder playing that right side while still giving you some okay mix, but to take him in the third round was brutal. But if Connor Garnett makes that leap as a dominant left side guy, then it might all work out.
0: Sometimes uh, I sometimes feel a little bad saying all the things about Rafa because uh, I didn't believe in him as a pro player, but he's definitely proven both of us wrong there and so every time with all these people like Irina and Catherine even Rafa I like Rafa but uh, he, is he, he, he's going to prove us wrong again now that we're saying this yeah if he does it's going to Connor
1: Garnett so
0: that's my prediction <laughs> so you're giving all credit to Connor yes okay fair uh, what do you have what else do you have for takeaways I have one more um, that's not uh... actually what did you think you, you were going to write about this but what about the back Yeah, uh,
1: I'll save most of it for the takeaways, but I think it's just way too early. MLP is, or not MLP, sorry, MLP. The PPA is trying to be something that it isn't yet. Pickleball is so new. Pro pickleball is so new. Johnny Goldberg had a good point for 10 players. No Top 10 players, no back draws, a good thing. The rest of those players need those reps. What do you do if you're a contracted PPA player that is still an up-and-comer? You can only play those PPA events, but suddenly you're getting a lot of one-and-two days, one-and-one days now. Like, I don't get what the PPA is really trying to do. Like, no Ben Johns, Anna Lee Waters, Riley Newman do not need to be grinding back draws, but a lot of players need that. And like they're counting on the APP still being around, I guess. Is that what they're doing? I don't know. What do
0: you mean? Who's counting on them?
1: The PPA, because they don't have a development
0: system if you don't have the APP. Yeah, I guess, do they care? Do they need a development system? Why do they care about a development system?
1: They don't, but it's ridiculous because pickleball is so new and you can't rely on just that people are going to stay interested. We're already bored because you're getting the same finals, the same players over and over. If you want to ensure that Annalie Waters stays the best female for 10 years and the pickleball dies, then maybe it's a good idea. But uh, you need to worry about developing the sport, I think, if you want it
0: to grow into the next big thing. So they should care. Yeah, I mean, they, they so often just seem to care about what the top players want. And they... Uh, they very much cater to them, and I think what they really care about—they just care about winning the game. Like they care about in the game, but by, by that I mean they care about winning the tour wars. They care about beating. Uh, but you're if, not
1: gonna win the. It doesn't matter if you win the tour wars if you don't. If pro pickleball isn't a thing, people care about. So and, they. It's very short-sighted. And I,
0: I'm not sure. I'm just thinking about this, but do you like do people really? Um, like, is it going to matter that much to people, though, that Annalie and Ben keep winning? Like, I, I don't actually know if it, it matters. It's, like, going to kill the sport. Like, people are still going to develop some way, somehow. Is that the only way? Because there's no backdrop, suddenly we're not going to have players that can develop? I, I'm not actually sure that's true. I don't know if I disagree with you, like, completely, but I just don't know. that isn't. Is that possibly a little extreme?
1: It's a little, but I don't think it's a lot because I think it really limits... I think the issue is going to be if the APP tour doesn't exist and there isn't another viable pro tour, the PPA is not going to have incentives to play players more, especially the lower players that aren't your top 10 players. And there's going to be not a huge incentive for players to invest the time in becoming a top pro because they're not going to be able to like afford to eat to get there and it's no longer going to be that you can walk out in 10 minutes or you know like you're not going to see Anna Brights even who can hang at the pro level in six months that time is going to get longer and if you don't have a viable futures, development tour, whatever you want to call it, and players can't get multiple reps at the pro level of game experience, it's going to be a real problem.
0: Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think I agree with that. I, I don't know, like you have these people who are, you're paying right now, I think $250 all in to play just one event. So if you want to play one pro event, it's going to be $250. And then you got to put in your housing or whatever expenses to get there. Um, I mean, how? And, and there's a problem. You have these giant draws now with qualifiers. Are these draws going to diminish because people, um, and people seem more than willing to pay it now because so many people are, are it seems like quitting their jobs to, to go full-time pickleball before they're established at all, which may be what you have to do at this point, but a lot of people are putting their eggs in, in the pro basket, but maybe they go elsewhere to the APP. Maybe they do something else, but uh, I think it's it's definitely an interesting thing to see how how that develops in terms of the back draw and like whether it matters and whether they're going to see less players in draws and, and whether they're going go to go the APP or just play more local tournaments to to get better or play minor league pickleball. Um, there's there's options out there right now, uh, so so I think that's going to be interesting to see.
1: Yeah, I just think as usual. The PPAs catering to the top players, which fine, but their short-sightedness I don't think is going to serve them well in the long
0: term. So speaking of catering to their players, one of the takeaways that we didn't have in the blog that I uh, want to talk about is Connor Pardo um, being the biggest fanboy of his PPA players, which I think is, is funny because he started being more active on Twitter and he's just recently, uh, he was big, hes talking how great, how, how ridiculous it is that Callan Dawson doesn't get drafted. Ben Johns is the most amazing player he's ever seen in his life. Um, it, it's, it's hilarious to see him doing this because what have we heard, Jer? Well, we've heard that uh, maybe some of the uh, PPA
1: players, contract players, maybe even some of those stars they cater to aren't super happy right now. And I can't help but think that's more than a coincidence on the timing. Um, it sounds like there's some special events and things that players are getting uh, not banned or not allowed to go to. So suddenly those restrictive covenants in the contract are... Being enforced and players aren't happy. Whoa, whoa, restricted
0: covenants. That's a big word. You would know you're the lawyer. (laughs) I just, uh, yeah, I don't want to take away your, this was your thought, and I thought it was a really good thought because we had heard this about the PPA players not being happy, and and you saw the Callan Dawson thing, and you mentioned to me that Callan is... Uh, you know, these guys like Pat Smith's another one. There's not too many of them that are PPA contracted players. I think Regina Goldberg is PPA contracted. Uh, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, And, and she, these people aren't getting drafted to MLP. And so they don't get the double because if you go challenger and you're PPA, you get double the money of a challenger player. It's a good chunk of money so play, you know, they're talking about on the, it feels right podcast as well. Like Rob Nunnery was, uh, mentioning how players were getting blocked. And so you had mentioned though when you saw that Callan thing that, that Connor posted that, you know, it looks like he's trying to carry their water and trying to pump them up, trying to do something. So they're not as, as disgruntled because things aren't going their way. And, uh, I don't, know, it's, I don't exactly know what to make of it, but it's, uh, it's coincidental timing. And we're just reading between the lines, but I thought that was fairly uh, astute of you. Well, thank you, Chris. <laughs> uh, do you have any uh, you have any other Denver Open stuff besides the boring Triple Crown stuff that we don't really need to talk about anymore?
1: No, honestly, I thought it was off. Fairly boring weekend just from a results kind of pick-a-ball standpoint. I didn't think there's a lot of notable things this weekend. Other than when
0: Ben Johns is engaged in singles, he is still clearly the best singles player as well. Yeah, he did not like losing to Christian Alshon before and going on the vlog. And uh, one and two sad days for the tweener king. My- and that back end path of Ben's keeps looking better. Yeah, it does. He keeps working, keeps going in the lab. Uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Beer City Open. It's coming up this weekend. I think the Beer City Open is an interesting tournament because it's P- it's not affiliated with the PPA. PPA is letting their players, a number of months ago, they let their players play Beer City uh, if they wanted to. So you have a number of the PPA players in this draw along with some of the APP people. We didn't get it much. We don't get it at all, like, very much this year. You're in a PPA field as an APP player. It's tough. It'll be a more sort of even playing field in terms of seeding, especially on the men's side. How are they seeding it? I have no idea. Then how do we know it's more even? I just assume it's going to be more even because it's not a rigged draw. Well, maybe it's it's a rigged draw, but not a rigged PPA draw. Okay, I, I just was assume just curious. It's that's even. a big presumption. Okay, well, I don't think it can be. Maybe
1: we'll have to try to get a hold of Andrea Coop and find <laughs> out. <how she laughs> it can't makes. be
0: any less of an even playing field than the PPA. PPA just operates on points and coin tosses, bud. It's very, even, very, very coincidental coin tosses. Uh, I, I like, so the reason why I want to talk about this a little bit was because you had, like, Rob Nunnery's playing with Andre Deskew, you've got J-Dub and Dylan, Pablo and Fed, Zayn and Jay, Connor Garnett, Rafa Hewitt, James is playing with uh, Altoff. I'm very curious to see how Nunnery and Descu do. Yeah, that's that was kind of my thing. I think
1: we're gonna. This is gonna be like the APP last year, and I expect J Dub and Dylan to cruise to gold. But it will be interesting to see how Andre and Rob stack up against a couple of those second to third tier uh, PPA teams. So it'll be an interesting gauge on those guys. Especially Andre, who we really don't get to see outside of MLP against the PPA players. And we know Rob thinks he's a Premier player, and this will be a good chance for him to show teams that maybe they did make a big mistake not drafting him to uh, Premier. Maybe Ben Johns will be looking and saying, that's the guy I should have taken at 48
0: i i i think that rob is right on the border of being a premier player uh, it, it's it's tough for him um he's not gonna pick, be picked in that 48 slot uh, he's got other stuff going on you know it's just you know Zane and jay is a team that if you're rob and andre you want to be beating them if you see them. You'll have a, I think you'll have a double elimination draw in this one. I think it should be true. I think that, that one is one. it.
1: I. I'm I just not as, sure.
0: I just assume it will be. And it so you did your homework. I did lots of homework. I, I have the, I have the draw. I had my teams up here. Um, I think that it's, it's, it's important for if you know these people, if they're not motivated to play challenger in season two here, they should be motivated because you've got a premier draft again. There will be one more draft at least. Going into 2024. So there's still six months to show. How how good you are. And you know we'll we'll have some mix up. Of uh, especially. I, I think it's really actually Rob and Andre. Is the most interesting thing about this. This tournament for me.
1: Yeah no I think they're interesting. I think Andre in general is interesting. I'm curious how he and Coop do. Also a little just curious to see. What Coop looks like. She's been hurt some. She hasn't quite looked like herself. So I'll be curious how she looks too. I have the Kalamotos, actually, at the favorites in women's doubles over uh, Coop and Jesse. And we also get a preview of the Georgia Johnson-Lauren-Stratman-MLP uh, partnership
0: this weekend. So I would, I would call that the, the Stratman-Johnson experience because I think it will be an experience.
1: When they're firing on all cylinders,
0: they'll be scary, but I think that team's going to run a little hot and cold. I think what also interests me about this tournament is that you're getting some kind of different partnerships because the PPA gets... You just you, you get a lot of this... At least some of the top teams stay the same, but you've got a number of sort of different partnerships or at least different... Or maybe some of the people that have teamed up but that have a chance to to make some noise. So you have like Irina and Fed are playing together uh, Jesse's playing with Zane. Um, Andre is playing with uh, Coop. Uh, Jackie, I think she might have played with Rafa before, but she's playing with Rafa. Uh, gotta get that Addy power in there. So you have a number of teams. Like even James is playing with his sister. I don't know how well that's gonna go. But you have like Milan Reigns playing with Connor Garnett. It's just. You get to see them in a different landscape, which I think is just, it's it's more fun sometimes than seeing them in, like, you have the APP and you have, we now know sort of how those APPs are kind of going. You have some different teams, but the PPA, you kind of know how they're going to go. You have some upsets, but it's sort of the same same kind of. For thing sure, some here.
1: varieties good. Another team I actually had with I'm curious to see how DJ Young and Cal Dawson do this weekend. Their team that a couple years ago we saw have some success. They've gone their separate ways. Obviously, Callan and Tyler Loon were bronze medal machines last year. but Bronze style, some some might say. Some might say, though Jay DeVilliers and Tyson McGuffin kind of trademarked that in my mind before that. But I'm just actually very curious how in this field those two do. Can they get to a championship Sunday? Do they make the podium? Like, I don't really have them favored to make a podium, but maybe they'll surprise us.
0: Yeah, in classic prep. I didn't actually see them in the draw, but DJ and Callan's an interesting team. Does Callan go on the left now?
1: I would think that they would still go Callan right, DJ left, but Callan, as we know, does play some on the left, and DJ seems fairly committed to the right side specialist, so
0: maybe they play straight up. I don't know. Yeah, uh... Yeah. We'll be watching this weekend. There's a bunch of tournaments coming up. Yeah,
1: the other tournament this weekend is the Seattle Metro. Surprised you're not talking about that. (laughs) (laughs) They don't actually have quite the same feel that they usually do, but um, it's actually one of our favorite tournaments of the year will be there, so it should be uh, fun. And it's got a couple of the APP stalwarts in attendance, including Susanna Barr and Megan and Ryler DeHart. So it should be a fun tournament too. And they honestly put on one of the best, like if you want to call it local tournaments out
0: there. So looking forward to that. That's a top-notch preview there. Yeah, so uh, I think, you know, we're, we're not exactly sure how we're going to end these. Uh, Producer Alyssa is going to bring us Girlfriend Corner at some point. Uh, is it going to be today, Producer Alyssa? No. She, okay, we're not going to get... She em.
1: previewed one in our car ride home from a tournament yesterday, so I'm disappointed. I thought she had the takes
0: ready, but... The People Need Girlfriend Corner. I actually thought of this like an hour before uh, you came over, and I want... I don't know if we're we're going to have to not do this, but I, I want to do this segment... Um, I want to do a how long have they been playing for segment when we see people lie about how long they've been playing for. Are you talking about Alex Trong and her Washington <laughs> article? I think we should be calling these people out. This is, it's unacceptable. Now are we talking about Jack Sock? Oh, Jack Sock. I forgot about Jack. But We we got we should leave it we, to one a week. And we then did we can... call
1: out Jack Sock on uh, Twitter. So yeah. that one we already did. But Alex Strong said she found it in COVID but was playing tournament in 2019. So unless she was an early COVID ad- adapter, we'll say,
0: well, I don't I, think that's true. Well, the Washington Post article, the fluff piece, said that she just learned about the kitchen after what the kitchen was after COVID. And I... Because we've been doing this a little while now. We've been like following Pro Pickleball since pre-COVID, since probably 2018. And I was like, I think Alex Strong's been playing longer than than COVID. And I look it up and there she is. She's got a 3-5 tournament, I think, with her dad and fairly early in 2019, which means you have to have started at some point in 2019. So uh, maybe this will be our end segment if uh, producer Alyssa doesn't want to give us Girlfriend Corner, which the people really do need. But uh, when we see it... We'll do a we'll do a how long have they been playing for segment and Alex Strong is 2019 not post COVID 2020.
1: If we uh, don't get that, I might have to do my okay. own fashion corner, and I'm not sure the people want
0: that. But so. <laughs> well, you have the best fashion sense of any pickleball men's doubles partner I've ever had. Thanks, bud. So uh, yeah, so that, I think that will wrap it up for today. So thanks everyone for listening. Um, with this being our first podcast, subscribe, uh, subscribe on Apple, subscribe on Spotify, give us a review, uh, f- go to the blog, nmlpickleball.com. You can see all our stuff there. I presume people listening to the first one probably have listened. Well, don't, well, go to nml.com, nmlpickleball.com. Give us, uh, give us more views. We don't have any sponsors to shout out yet. And, uh, we probably need to be shooting our shot more. So if anyone wants, um some mildly controversial, formerly anonymous opinion bloggers who are now podcasting to, to sponsor. You can you can hit us up. Way to sell us big, bud. <laughs> and and follow us just on social everywhere. So Instagram, Twitter, uh, now Threads, Facebook, it's all NML Pickleball. Uh, so, so follow us and come back. We're going to try and keep doing these. Uh, let us know how you feel about the um, these podcasts, even if you hate them. But uh, we will see you next time.